Welcome to Mind Reading Experts in Conversation podcast series. This project explores the patient experience through the prism of literature and personal narrative to inform self-care, patient-centered care and practice as well as humanities research. Do doctors and patients speak the same language and how can we use narrative to bridge the evident gaps? These are the questions that animate the work. Mind reading began as a collaboration between UCD Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, the Diseases of Modern Life Project at Oxford University and the University of Birmingham, and expanded to include colleagues across the UK and Ireland and the School of English Drama and Film at UCD. Our intended activities comprise a series of explorations around the central theme of literature and mental health and function as independent events, but are brought together by their intent to explore the best ways of drawing on the insights of historical and literary research in contemporary medical practice in the field of mental health particularly. This podcast series, Experts in Conversation, brings together some of the key themes of the 2020 conference, which we postponed due to COVID-19, and is brought to you by the Humanities Institute at UCD and RCPI Archives. This section of the episode, Words to Live By, Hearing the Stories of Dementia in the Mind Reading, Experts in Conversation podcast series, brings us Danielle Petherbridge. Danielle is in philosophy at University College Dublin and is director of the UCD Centre for Ethics and Public Life. She works primarily in phenomenology and social philosophy and on theories of recognition and vulnerability. She's principal investigator of an Irish Research Council New Foundations funded project dedicated to research on an embodied cognitive account of dementia and personhood, body dementia, in partnership with the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. She's also part of Health, Ethics and Narrative Ireland and co-founder of the Irish Young Philosopher Awards. And Dr. Patherbridge is going to talk to us about the ideas of recognition and vulnerability as they pertain to dementia. I want to talk a little bit about how perhaps philosophy can contribute to this conversation and particularly to thinking about medical research and clinical practice, but also I think to challenge uh, common everyday taken for granted views about dementia uh, as well. I think that's that's very important. And I, I want to also um, back up what Des was saying in that um, clinicians and healthcare professionals have been engaging with the humanities and with philosophy as in particular, as well as the other social sciences, and also vice versa. Philosophy obviously is learning a lot from, from medical research and from clinicians. And I think what I'd want to emphasize is that this is an incredibly rich dialogue and to bring these different disciplines together is incredibly rich and incredibly important, both for research and for practice, I think. So, I guess what philosophy and particularly my own research attempts to do is to open up dialogues in particular, but also to open up ways of attending to things uh, or to, to the subjects of clinical treatment or diagnosis in ways that don't take things for granted, that don't just make assumptions about the people who are under, undergoing that diagnosis and to uh, avoid looking at things in a prejudiced manner. Um, and we've been talking about also not leaping in with a very negative view in terms of diagnosis, for example. So philosophy tries to challenge us to really, or to challenge common taken for granted points of view, particularly in this is important in terms of challenging things like stigma in relation to dementia as well. But it's also important in terms of looking at things in a different manner, perhaps. And there is a particular form of philosophy that I'm engaged with, which Claire mentioned is, is uh, term phenomenology, in which there's a very big focus put on patient experience. And doctors and clinicians are also engaging with this particular strand of philosophy uh, to 
think about lived experience, the lived experience of persons who are experiencing uh, dementia, for example. And this view of, of the patient's lived experience, or we want to say the person's lived experience, as Des says, we want to get away from actually talking about patients and talk about persons, and that's central to my own research, um, is really crucial in terms of diagnosis and practice and care, as, as Wendy and Kevin have, have also alerted us to. And I guess in the form of philosophy that I focus on and that I draw on, we make a distinction between the person who presents as um, someone with an, with, a, with an illness in her lived experience, so someone who goes along for tra treatment and brings along her lived experience, is different to the the doctor who attends to this person uh, very much often as a as just a, a body um, and of course or, or an object of clinical knowledge. So not necessarily engaging with that lived experience of the person who comes along for diagnosis. So I guess there's a difference between the way that somebody lives their illness or or their experience of it as a subject. Uh, as compared to how they might be treated in the moments of diagnosis or in care as as really being thematized as a problem, I think as as in terms of negative problem as we've heard. And I think that's really important to bridge that gap in terms of drawing on um, the sort of philosophical resources that I'm interested in in drawing on if they can be brought together much more closely. And they are obviously two sides of, you know, to, of, of really diagnosis and care that are crucial. So I think it's really important then what I'm trying to do in my own research is to really um, put to the fore patient experience or person's experience. And that has to be recognised and valued and really endorsed as, as central. And I think also what we've heard and, and what I'm also trying to focus on is how those interactions between clinicians and um, carers and just even institutions, medical institutions, how those interactions actually make people feel um, when, when they go in for the first time, when they're diagnosed, um, and also how those, those, those conversations, how the ways that clinicians and doctors and people who come for treatment, how it how it then makes those people feel, depending on the terms that are used, the language that's used, or the picture, as Wendy and Kevin have, have explained for us, the way that it sort of strips away their life um, in the matter of minutes, depending on how it's explained or how they're viewed in that um, particular moment. So that's particularly one part of, of what my research is aiming to do. And the other part of it is that there is quite a a long tradition in philosophy of also engaging with uh, disciplines such as cognitive science. And what I'm also trying to do is basically break down the stigmas about dementia as being just all about cognition and about the mind uh, in a very individualistic sense, as though, because there's often these common sense or common views that we hear in public about the dreadful um, diagnosis and these characteristics that are often explained in quite negative terms. So what we're trying to do is get away from that sort of um, focus just on mind and look at the, the person as a person, as someone with an identity that is maintained or that grows or that is reshaped in a particular way, and very much taking into account that 
it's not just about mind, but any mental states are also bodily states. Body and mind go together. And that's really crucial in any kind of illness or any kind of diagnosis that even if it is about um, the mind or the brain or memory loss, that in fact, we understand it in this more holistic manner. And I'll, I'll explain why I think that's important as well in just a moment. But what I want to stress is that if we understand also the, the brain or the mind, not just in individualistic terms, but uh, in terms of this sense of being connected, not only with the world through our embodied interactions, but also very much connected with others. So it's very important in terms of thinking about the mind or the brain um, as embedded in a social context, as situationally embedded, as inactive uh, in the sense that through dynamic engagement with others and with the world, um, then the mind is obviously something that is quite complex and it's not just this kind of, we sh shouldn't be thinking of it just in terms of this sort of individualistic sense in just in terms of uh, dementia as well. So what we're trying to do is say that um, particularly this is important for care, thinking about, you know, not just the mind but the embodied-minded um, aspects of it and that very much this sense of dynamic engagement with the world and dynamic engagement with others. And I guess one aspect of that is to think about, uh, if we're thinking about narrative as well, is to think about then the ways if you think about even from infancy that before we even have language, our first relation to the world is an embodied one. You know, little children obviously pick up things and touch things before they can even speak. So we, as human beings throughout our lives, we develop these bodily skills and these bodily habits. And in fact, we, we develop a bodily style, a way of moving through the world, a way of relating to particular things in our lives. And we do things in a particular way. So the argument is that uh, that that bodily style uh, obviously changes throughout life, but it also is maintained. So we we shouldn't just be thinking about um, things in terms of the mind, but in terms of the whole person and the way in which that is shaped and changes throughout the life cycle. Uh, and so the other aspect to that that I wanted to emphasise is in terms of uh, dual narratives as well, writing together, and Wendy spoke about this uh, before about the way that, in fact, her narrative was uh, un un unfolded with somebody else. And I think this is a really important aspect to, to focus on is that talking about the embedded self and the importance of others, the relations with others are crucial in all of this. Uh, and so there are there's this sense of being able to write one's self or one's life with others as well, and that's crucial to this. And the other side of that is also then uh, what I might suggest is something like body narratives in that even if speech is difficult, um, there are ways in which you can communicate with others in an embodied manner and you can express yourself in, in an embodied manner, which is also indicative of your personhood and your identity. You have your own style of expressing yourself in an embodied manner. So what we also want to do then is uh, really point to the fact that personhood and identity is not held only in memory as such, that it's held and developed and changes in, in, in these different ways and that taking the person as a whole person. And I guess there's been some interesting uh, studies, for example, on bodily memory 
uh, and our embodied relation to the world, for example, by uh, there's a very famous jazz musician uh, who uh, was diagnosed with dementia and who seemed to lose the ability to play the saxophone. Brilliant musician. And he was living on his own at the time. And he, a former student of his actually came to visit him time and time again and encouraged him to pick up the saxophone again and just then brought his own saxophone in or we, we, and they began to play. He just, they just played with a few notes first and then they started playing together. And that sense of playing their instruments together created this kind of dynamic engagement. Uh, and for that particular person who was a musician, maybe writing out narrative wasn't the way that he wanted to express himself, but actually playing his saxophone was crucial to the expression of self. And clearly, despite the fact that he hadn't been speaking much to anybody for a while, once he was able to pick up his saxophone again, there was this dynamic engagement and a narrative unfolded with, with others through, through music. And I think that's an, another way to, to think about narrative in this sense and how important that is. Uh, so what we want to say is that this sense of personhood is crucial and to, to argue that, that personhood is maintained, identity is maintained, and to try and challenge those very negative stigmas about this sense of loss of identity or loss of this and the negative stigmas that, that we've spoken about and to think about um, this much more situated and, I mean, Kit Wood was, was very crucial on this in terms of dementia research, in terms of the situated nature of, of, of um, persons, uh, their embedded nature and their relations with others that was crucial. Um, and, of course, that was also central to this um, sense of, of person-centred care as Clodagh was speaking about at the beginning. Uh, so what we also want to then is to encourage much more of this sense of dynamic engagement and dynamic uh, identity recognition, if you like, and this sense that personhood is not just about memory, it's not just about how we relate through uh, cognition, but very much also um, personhood is has to be taken in in this more complex sense of both the mind, the body, but also it's about recognition from others. It's about um, not th that persons are persons because they're recognised by others. And I think that's crucial in any medical encounter, in any diagnosis, in any everyday experience. So I think what we want to really encourage is much more of this sense of, of expression, of identity, but also the multitude of ways that that might occur um, and particularly how important it is uh, in terms of how we relate to others in these particular encounters. Thank you.